Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player, producer, and today's author. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Some episodes will be original stories, others will be classics that help shape the mystery genre we know today. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance that's meant to be heard. Jack and I perform these live, front to back, no breaks, no fakes, no retakes, and everyone keep your fingers crossed because we're having some IT issues today. This is season four, A Word Before Dying. This season contains original stories written just for you and built around that classic mystery theme of the last word before death. Episode four is about a dumbass. This is In Vino Veritas by Jack Wolf. Mr. James Delvereaux, please rise. Hello, my name is James Devereaux. Today is October 24th, 2064, at 9.32 in the morning. I have been instructed to recount the events that took place between the dates of August 2nd, 2012 through September 14th, 2012, in front of a court of law. So let's start from the real beginning, May 7th, 2008. I was working for the Indianapolis Police Department at the time as a beat cop. Drinking in a bar on East Maryland Street, I was approached by a headhunter. She was not looking for cops, but for crew members. She and a group of four others, let's call them treasure hunters, got a lead on a site that had been hidden since ancient times. The headhunter's name was Haley Leave. She was looking for protection for a temple she had been looking for for four years. The site was in Morocco. She offered me a cut that was well over my year's pay. She requested that I find another man to split the job with. I didn't want to split the pay, so I refused. Ms. Lee found her own second man, a senior detective out of San Diego named Detective Crassius. Yes, of course. I was pissed off by this. First she cuts my pay in half by bringing on a man three times my age, and then she made me his little assistant. That doesn't matter though. What matters is the actual voyage, which of course didn't take place for another four years. I had forgotten about it, and I was a detective by that time. When Leave contacted me about the job again, I couldn't back out. This wasn't the kind of business that you could back out of, even if it meant you had to quit your job because your boss wouldn't let you casually leave for six months. So on June 23, 2012, I went to Morocco. Morocco Dreamin'. I immediately grew close with Crassius, even though I was pissed off about him four years earlier. The dude was 68, and don't ask me why he decided this little vacation was a good idea for him. At this point, the ragtag team that was the treasure hunting crew had two police detectives working for them. To me, it seemed excessively weird. Over the next month, the seven of us became family. First off was Haley Leave, the headstrong treasure hunter who saw no point in life but to find the unfindable. I can see why it would give some young souls a high. Next was Bill Swindon, 
an architect who had been studying the temple we were looking for for about half a decade. He wasn't much use other than telling us random facts about the temple. I suppose an architect can't do much with the temple until it's found, right? Anyway, there also was Yanis Jordan. I have no idea what he was, where he came from, or just how many languages he could speak. But when he got mad, I swear he was like a dirty Rosetta Stone. He was a geographer, which helped us actually get from one place to another. Ford Honden was just some dude who decided to get at peace with his chi or something. He moved to Morocco, studied the land, and was our everyday Moroccan naturalist and guide. Lastly, there was the late but great Den Detson. It's no surprise that there's a guy that dies in the story. After all, this is a courtroom full of people who have read this tale a thousand times at this point. Den was a philologist, somebody who studies Latin and he transcribed the Latin written on the map we were following. The seven of us set up camp somewhere in, Moroc in the Moroccan forest. I don't remember where and I didn't really care at the time. Long backstory short, Lee found a map, Dan transcribed all the words on us, Yanis figured out where we needed to go and got us there. Tord fixed our meals and make sure we didn't die on the way over, and Bill just kind of waited, since again, it's hard to study a temple's architecture without a physical temple to study. Me and Crassus just stood around and made sure the locals and wildlife didn't mess with us. Yep, it was a pretty good gig. Until August 2nd, that is. Death on the Bodily Fluid Lake. That day we found it. Leave, Yanis, and I went out following up on a lead Yanis had found the day before. Coming through the thicket of trees, brush, vines, and other green crap, this big old temple we'd been looking for showed its dusty ass. We were ecstatic, mainly because it meant we got to go home in the foreseeable future. Yanis and Leave wanted to go in, but I convinced them we needed to bring the, everyone in the group in on this. On the way back, though, I found brushes and vines cut that I didn't remember cutting. It seemed as if someone had already been to the temple. I was suspicious right off the bat. We returned to camp and Yana celebrated by streaking into Tord's tent, that scene that I would have been happy not to be a part of. Yanis then streaked into every tent, bringing everyone out to hear the good news. The last tent Yanis ran into was Den's. This was one of the most famous moments when I heard Yanis scream in at least seven languages. Me and Crassius sprinted in, pushing a nude Yanis out of the way. Lying on the ground, shaking in a pool of sweat, shit, and vomit was Den. Crassus and Tord sat by his side and tried to help the poor man. It was no use, of course. And as the light was fading from his eyes, he uttered the words that haunt my dreams to this day. In vino veritas. He fell quiet and we all watched in horror from the tent entrance. At this point, everyone was in the tent and saw the death of this poor kid. Once again, there's no mystery what, there was no mystery he was killed. We wouldn't be here if he died of food poisoning, so don't get whiny on me when I don't treat this like a big surprise. Now, if you know what in vino veritas means, congratulations, you're smarter than I was. 
Of course, I can tell you now, it means in wine there is truth. It's some Latin thing that basically says that when you're drunk, you tell the truth. You didn't need to tell me that. I used alcohol as, as an excuse to admit stuff I didn't want to all the time. Man, if I had a nickel every time I had a buzz in court, I wouldn't have bothered going on that damn treasure hunt in the first place. In fact, I would have earned myself another nickel right now. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Hey, anyway, there we were with the dead guy. It was, no pun intended, a buzzkill. A Questionable Death Crassius rose from his position over Den and spoke. Den's gone. Leave ran out and vomited, which was the first sign of weakness I'd seen out of her. I just stood in horror and saw something inside of Crassius saw something inside Crassius' head was moving, putting together pieces that I didn't even realize existed. Clearly, Den's last words meant something to the guy, and it just didn't click right. In a flurry, Crassus started barking orders. Bill toward dig a grave for Den. Yanis, put clothes on and make sure Leave doesn't lose too much of her lunch. Tord worked hard cooking all of that. Delvero, you're with me. Everyone dispersed after a strange, somber silence, and I went with Crassius into his tent. He spoke quietly and quickly, as if hoping not to be heard. Den said that the truth is in the wine. I blinked. No, he didn't. He said some Latin thing about a drum corps. Apparently, that was a stupid thing to say because I didn't even see Crass's hand slap me. In Latin, that phrase means the truth is in the wine. I think Den left us a hint either about the temple or his death. I remembered then. We found the temple, I told him. Why do you think Yanis was naked? I know he's weird, but you must have had really bad standards for this guy if you could have just brushed that off. Crassius was not happy with me at this point. Den just died, and you're making jokes about Yanis's helicoptering skills? What is wrong with you? Look, I'm going to take the risk in trusting you. We're going to find out how Den died. We left our private meeting and went back to Den's body, limp on the ground, eyes open in terror. There was no wound, but Den looked anything but healthy. He had been sweating, and he clearly had tried to get up but failed. His body laid in vomit, and he'd crapped himself. We'd all had diarrhea at this point, so that wasn't a surprise, but some of it had gone cold. And please, for the love of God, don't ask how I found out that Den's shit was cold. I can't relive that. Cold poop, however, did mean that this wasn't him just crapping himself because he just died, because it would have been like five minutes old. He did this while he was still alive, which was a while ago. Crassius stood up and whispered, It looks like he suffered from some sort of dizziness or nausea, maybe. Vomiting, crapping himself for some reason. He lost all control over his body. I didn't know what to make of it, but we knew that there was no use in taking him to a hospital. We had just found the temple we spent weeks looking for, and the only thing a, a hospital could tell us was how he died in 14 to 28 business days. The stuff wasn't fast, and if he was killed, the killer could easily escape the city. I stood up alongside Crassus. Why did he say those last words? He could have said anything. He could have said, get the guy drunk, or the killer's name, or tell my wife I love her, anything. Why that Latin phrase? Crassius shook his head. So how do you think he died? 
I looked out at the guys digging the hole. Why don't we ask the expert? The chapter where the guy does all those interviews. I called Tord in from his digging and made him look at Den. Oh yes, he said, I know this poison very well. It's Nurium oleander, a local plant that can kill within 24 hours. It causes nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, and can send people into comas. I used to live near this plant when I lived on the east end of the forest. I actually became immune through eating very small portions of it once a month for years. The highest dose I think I can take is about 5 grams, even after all these years. It is extremely toxic. Crassius lost the color in his face and I lost the piss in my bladder. I finally spoke. Um, thank you, Tord. You can go. Tord didn't, though. Didn't, though. Do you think he accidentally ate some? I thought I made it clear that no one was to eat anything I didn't personally prepare. Crassius shot a look that could have killed Den all over again. Do not speak to anyone about this, and tell Yanis and Leave not to tell anyone about what they discovered today. Tord seemed to hear Crassius loud and clear as he left the tent. From there, we derived a plan. I could interrogate everyone while Crassius looked for whatever Den took that killed him. This is how the interviews went. I asked Leave what she did the night before, which was the same story everyone had, because we, of course, were always together. We sat down for towards dinner, she said. I was next to Giannis, who was drinking out of his canteen that had the annoying reflective tape on it. It kept flashing the firelight into my eyes. I hate that thing. Then Den came and sat down on my other side and decided to chew louder than the damn monkeys. You and Crassius just stood around like always, looking scary. I don't know, it was a normal night. Nothing happened. Next was Bill the architect. He also had a pretty normal night. I think he said something along the lines of, We all sat down for dinner, which was like always, screwed up my stomach. I went to the shit pit, as we call it, and came back. At some point, Yanis told the three of us that he was close to finding the temple, and we turned in for the night. I was really excited because finding the temple meant my university might finally grant me tenure, which would have been a real load off for me. I mean, I've been looking for this thing for years, and all I needed was a group to come out here and help me find it. Feel stupid that I ever came out here alone. Third was Yanis, the geographer. I also asked him to tell me about the night before, and he said something along the lines of, That morning, Den had given me the translation of a Latin poem on the back of the map. He said that the name of the temple was the Domus Dei, which means the House of the Gods. It also described landmarks that I used to help narrow down our search zone. I had it pretty much pinned down. I had almost finished finding the spot when Tord called dinner. So I just came out to eat dinner with everyone, got a little too tipsy, pissed off Leave, and had a good time. Eventually, Leave left, you and Crassus went off God knows where, and me, Dan, Bill, and Tord ate dinner peacefully. Tord's food gave Bill the shits, though. It was funny. We could hear him halfway across the camp. I went back to my tent after that, located the temple, and went to sleep. Simple as that. I asked Tord the same question as the others, and he said that he had made, a rice, made the dish using rice, leaves wine, and some spices and flavorings that he had scavenged. 
he and Den shared a glass of the wine during dinner, and then he cleaned up. Let me tell everyone in the jury something right now. Those interviews were the worst four hours of my life. Not because it was hard to hear all this while Den was dead, but because you wouldn't believe how bitchy these people were. Oh my God, I left out all the, oh my gods, I'm so sad, I just don't know what to do without the guy I've known for a few months. I hated every one of them. Yes, I know I'm a cop. Yes, I know listening to this stuff was literally part of my job. That doesn't mean I had to like that part. Anyway, I finally finished all the interviews and I met up with Crassus. I spilled everything significant I heard. I also told him about the path to the temple being pre-cut. When I told Crassus about the wine, he had a stroke. He, of course, had made the connection that Den drank wine the night before, and his last words were literally, the truth is in the wine. I thought that information would be enough, but Crassus made me tell him every detail about every interview. My God, that was a long afternoon, and even a longer night. At the end of it, though, it was worth it, because Crassus discovered something that caught our killer. He went out and found all the wine in the camp. There were only three containers, Leaves' original batch and two canteens. One of the canteens was owned by Tord and the other one by Yanis. All right, we're at our mid-roll, and this is the part where we pause to give you a chance to catch the killer. Now, normally this is the part where Jack guesses, but... I, I have a guess. <laughs> you can't have a guess. You wrote the story. So we were going to do this where I didn't pre-read it so that I could guess, but um, we wanted to make sure that it at least was totally put together. So I have read it at least one time before. So instead, um, we're just going to stall a little bit and say, okay, um, here's a list of our suspects. So we have Haley Leave, the treasure huntress extraordinaire. We have Detective Crassus, the 68-year-old cop from Cali. So he doesn't have a first name, does he? I don't know if I gave him one. We have Bill Swindon, the useless professor of architecture. Yanis Jordan, the totally useful geographer who helps everyone get around, and Tord Honden, the naturalist who is also those chefs. So those are all of our suspects. Uh huh. While you're thinking about that, I'm going to give you two other little things to think about. Uh, join my newsletter on the Prowl. There's a link to it on my website and in the show notes here. You can check out past editions. It comes out every full moon. And I want to tell you about an anthology that I am going to appear in. It's called Backroads Bobby and His Friends. A criminal legend is on his deathbed. The smell of exhaust is in the air and drivers of all kinds are rallying to pay their respects. Handbrake Hardy Fry's passing will mark the end of an era. His legendary career spans decades. Hardy outran the law after bank heists and armored car robberies. He carried contraband back and forth over the Canadian border. And if crime involved a car, he likely drove it or trained the person who did. Some labeled him a hero, while others dubbed him a villain. Yet no cop ever slept handcuffs on Hardy, except for a sole drunken disorderly arrest, a feat unrivaled in the wheelman lore. But even legends end. With word spreading that Hardy's death is imminent, the pilgrimage, pilgrimages to his bedside have begun. Many come to pay their respects, some travel to do him harm, and these are their stories. 
So Backroad Bobby and his friends collects 13 stories from the brightest voices in crimes fiction, mine being one of them. Yay! Snag your copy today and visit the 509, which is the universe that Backroads Bobby is part of, in an entirely new way. Hyperlink is in the show notes, and my story is called Giddy Up Done Gone. And a quick reminder that we are working on a print version of this season, so you can reread these mysteries and put in your guesses. Um, Jack and I will let you know as we approach the release date. Jack's fixing his piano. It's fine, it's fine, it's you're fine. fine. You're fine, you're uh-huh. fine? Okay, yeah. you ready to start the big reveal? I sure am. I just got to pick a song to play. The big reveal. Uh-huh. I really got bored when it came to the names of these chapters. <laughs> I think I just named this one the big reveal because you didn't name it at all. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was <laughs> the chapter with all the interviews. Which I thought was an awesome name. Yeah. All right, I'm going to shut up now and pick a song. The next morning, August 3rd of 2012, Crassius woke everyone up at 4 a.m., early enough so that no one would have had time to escape. We met next to the hole we dug for Den. I held Den's head as we lowered him in, but before we could properly bury him, Crassius interrupted. We will not bury this man until his killer is revealed. I didn't see a point in it, but hey, it was dramatic as hell, so it makes for a better story. We would reveal the dead guy's killer right over the dead guy's rotting corpse. Poetic, huh? Crassius paced as he spoke. We have done ourselves a little investigation here, Delvaroe and I, and I do believe I have found our sweet, sweet snake. You see, Den was poisoned two days ago. Poison with the plant that can be found all around these parts. A poison that wouldn't be hard to grind up and put into someone's wine. Crassius' pacing was making everyone antsy, which was weird because three of them were totally innocent. He continued, We have tracked the last few hours of Den's life, and most of it involves every single one of you. I thought, what did poor old Den do to deserve such a gruesome, lonesome, silent death? I thought long and hard before Devereaux here told me about you four. I must say, it was fun to see the four of them squirm. It reminded me of why I became a cop. I wasn't exactly a good cop, because once again, why would I be in court today if I was? Anyway, Crassus kept pacing. You see, yesterday, Yanis, Leave, and Devereaux here found the temple we've been looking for so carefully. Tord had a mixed expression on his face between happy and worried, and Bill plain looked shocked. They were the only two who hadn't been told about finding the temple. Crassius looked at the four of them. You see, the thing is, Delvereaux claims that somebody had already been at the temple or had followed behind the group from quite a distance. There is clearly somebody here who is not with the rest of us, someone who decided to work ahead of the rest of the class. I also found out that Den was poisoned through wine, and the only wine Den seemed to drink two nights ago was straight out of Tord's canteen. Tord's Den fate. Tord's tan face went white as paper, but Crassius's speech continued. Now at first I thought, if Tord wanted to kill Den, what better way than to drink the murder weapon too, to prove that the wine couldn't possibly be poisoned? You see, Tord has built up an immunity to the poison that killed Den. So if both he and Den drank the poison wine, only Den would suffer. But then you have to ask yourself, why kill Den? 
What did he know that the murderer wanted to keep quiet? Then it hit me. Literally, I tripped over this canteen. Crassius pulled the canteen up with reflective tape on it. This is the canteen that Yanis drank out of at dinner two nights ago. And this canteen here, he pulled out a similar canteen. This is the one Tward and Den drank out of. They're almost indistinguishable to someone who doesn't normally handle them. Of course, Yanis and Tord would know them apart because they drink out of them every day. And you can notice small differences that tell them whose canteen is whose. Anyone else, though, wouldn't be able to see the difference. Now, while it makes no sense for the killer to take out Den after he has already decoded what the landmarks are and how to find the temple, Yanis is the perfect target. He hasn't found the location of the temple yet, and he has this little canteen just lying about, waiting to be poisoned. You could literally see the color return to Tord as he realized that he was in the clear. The man's chi was very compromised that day. Crassius once again continued. So now we have eliminated Tord and Yanis, as Tord would know which bottle to poison, and Yanis was the intended victim. So now it comes down to Bill and Leave. Who can guess which one killed Den? Both suspects stood in terror, one of them because they were guilty, and the other because they were about to be accused of murder. I spoke for the first time and said, well, both suspects left during dinner, so either one could have made the move to poison the canteen. I think the real question is still, why did Den say his little phrase in Latin? I know he loved the language, and maybe he just wanted his last words to be Latin as some sort of comforting and satisfying end to his life, but I believe there is a deeper meaning. I have to ask, do either of you two know what in vino veritas means? Bill stood silent when Leave said, in wine there is truth. I smiled, and I imagined Den did too wherever he was. You see, Leave here has been studying this temple as long as you have, Bill. The only difference is that you worked in a university, where if you had a question about Latin, you could just ask someone who knew. Leave didn't have that option, as a freelance agent. She learned Latin herself. My guess is that Den knew you poisoned him. He spoke in Latin so you wouldn't be able to tell what he said. Crassius looked at me, slightly puzzled. Couldn't he have just asked someone who did know Latin? I responded, that sounds like something the creator of the story was too lazy to deal with. Now I'll continue. When Bill left at dinner to go shit, he wasn't in the shit pit. He went to poison Yanis's wine and then go snoop in his tent. All he needed was Den's translation to find the temple, and now that he had it. After four years of looking for this thing, Bill just needed to ask a few experts instead of trying to find the thing himself. He even admitted in his interview that if he had just brought a group of people out here the first few times he came looking for the temple, he would have found it. He was just too selfish to want to admit to anyone else how close he was to finding it. Now, Yanis would be dead by morning and the location would never be found by the group. That night, instead of going to bed, Bill went out looking for the temple. And he found it, which explained the pre-cut thicket I found. Den, dying on the floor of his tent, was awake in terrible pain the entire night, and he must have seen or heard Bill. He knew you were the lone wolf, but how did he know the poison was in the wine? Bill was sweating like a hog and was barely standing. Truth be known, I had no idea how Den found out about the wine. 
Luckily, Bill's conscience answered that question for me. He puked and kneeled next to Den's grave. He knew because I told him, he said. I saw him when I returned from the temple, on the ground, hanging out of his tent, watching me with hatred I've never seen before. He was weak and when I came over to help him, I realized he was poisoned. He had every symptom. I helped him onto his cot. No one could help him at that point and his grunts of pain weren't loud enough to wake anyone up. My problem was solving itself. So I just told him everything. It felt good to get it off my chest and I figured he would be dead by morning. Everyone would have assumed he just ate something on his own and just died. But no, he waited until the last second and left you with the one hint that found me guilty. He hung his head in defeat. Murder, all because he wanted the temple for himself. But now we get to the reason that I'm here in court in the first place. Look, I'm not pleading innocent here. I don't think you need to, need to make me say it. It wasn't safe to keep Bill. He was a murderer. The whole incident took place over 50 years ago. And I don't know how the statute of limitations work, but if I needed punishment for my crime, it's too late to change anything. We killed Bill. <coughs> we tied him to a tree with a knot tight enough to keep him there for days. The rest of us, we explored, recorded, and got everything we needed from the temple. And when we got back, he had bites all over him. Spiders, snakes, bugs, everything. He died the way Den died. A snake got him. Other than the fact that that was a very badly written mystery, and every time I listened to it, I was like, wow, I missed that. Should have. That actually doesn't make sense now that I think about it. Really? I... I think it does make sense so so let me do my post-mortem right okay okay Okay. so the bad guy is bill the bill. useless architect right yeah. mm -hmm. and bill had come looking for this temple before but he'd always come alone because he was too proud to bring a team and really ask anyone for help mm -hmm. so somehow he's part of this team that Haley leave is leading yeah and so he's basically a tag along until they find the actual temple mm-hmm so he realizes because who told him? Tord told him that he was getting close to finding it. I'm sorry, Den was getting close to finding it. Yeah, was getting close to finding it. And his way of of throwing everybody off the track was to kill the guy who would plot the path to the temple. Yes. So they could know anything they wanted, but if they didn't know the route, they weren't getting there. Exactly. And his thought was, well, I have all the information now, so I can come back on my own, and voila, I found it. I'm a hero. University, give me tenure. Mm -hmm. So maybe he does really get sick. Maybe he just fakes it. He probably fakes it that night. So he leaves the tent, and instead of going to the latrine, he goes and... Or the shit pit, as we call it. Or the latrine, as we call it. <laughs> He goes and he um, he finds the can canteen and he thinks it belongs to... This is where I get the names a little mixed up. He, he thinks th it belongs to Yanis, but it really belongs to Tord. So he thinks it belongs to the guy who can map it, but it really belongs to the Latin translator. Not the Latin translator. Oh, the, the guy, the, the naturalist. naturalist, the guy yeah. who does all their cooking. Uh -huh. So he poisons it and then he goes and he still is searching Yanis's... Um, tent for anything else that he can use to find the temple. Mm -hmm. Then he goes and finds the temple. 
Yes, after so, everyone goes to sleep and after After dinner. everyone goes to sleep. So he comes back later, all really proud of himself because he now found the temple, and he finds Den on the ground, half in, half out of his tent, basically with all the symptoms of oleander poisoning. Mm-hmm. And it's too late to help him, so he just confesses everything, and he leaves Den there, there to die. So then the next day, when they do find the... Everybody, the whole group finds the temple and the naked guy, Giannis, runs in. He finds Dan dying. And -hmm. that's when Dan gives us his final clue in Vino Veritas. Yep. No, I I think what I liked about this, it wasn't a simple mystery. It wasn't a one for one. So he intended to kill Giannis, but he killed Dan. Excuse me. I mean, if you think season. about it, he really messed up. He could have killed two guys yes. if Tord wasn't immune to it. But then my other thinking was that um, the reason why they thought Tord was innocent was they were like, I, I should have put something like, you know, if his whole thing was, you know, I drank the po- I drank the wine, it wasn't poisoned, then why would he tell the detectives that he was immune to it? Right. So that was should have been a thing. Unless that I, he was super clever and he's like. <laughs> unless he, he's that ballsy. But no, I mean, why would you? This is your key thing. If you tell anyone this, you kind of everything falls apart. Why would you tell him? I should have used that because the reality of it is instead, Crassus just decides, wait, maybe Ten, Den wasn't even the guy. It was like a theory he went mm. on. It wasn't even a any normal person looking at that wouldn't have assumed that the entire thing was fake and that it was actually targeted for someone else. Being that this is a short story, I didn't have a big problem with that because in short stories, you a lot of times you get to the end kind of quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if there was anything I would go back and look at more closely was some of the timings. Like you had things referencing back four years and then eight years and then, and I didn't bother trying to figure out if all of those synced up right. <laughs> yeah. Because they weren't really that you know important to the story they weren't really a driver of the story right um but yeah overall i I like the misdirection of he poisoned the wrong guy Mm -hmm. and yeah so they just left him to die huh yeah i really like that last line the whole snake got him thing (laughs) (laughs) they didn't mean to leave him to die they were just like we can't let him loose but then of Mm. course if you tie him up like that he can't kick away the snakes or anything everything can just bite at him so this is a section where we usually have interesting stuff from you. So why oh. did you pick a oleander as your poison? Uh, I, I googled uh, Moroccan poisons. Mm. And they were like, hey, oleander's everywhere. So why did you pick Morocco? So you picked Morocco first? I picked Morocco because I thought it was a fun place. That was it. That was it? You just liked the idea of Morocco? Yeah, I think I at one point looked up to see if there were temples there. And there was like two. Okay. So I was like, okay. So there were temples there, so it makes sense for there to be another hidden one. So the cover art for this podcast is oleander mm-hmm. in bloom, which is a really pretty flower. It is. But yeah. Well, it's good story. Uh, thank you. All right, so let's wrap it up. That wraps up this episode of Mysteries to Die For. Support our show by subscribing, telling a mystery lover about us, and giving us a five-star review. Become a member of our Body Bag Brigade by financially supporting this season with a one-time donation. Pay what you can. Interested in advertising on Mysteries to Die For? Check out our website. Information is in the show notes and on our website, tgwolf.com forward slash podcast. 
Mystery to Die For is written by T.G. Wolf with contribution by Jack Wolf. In Vino Veritas was written by Jack Wolf. Music and production are by Jack Wolf. And episode art is by T.G. Wolf. All right, Jack, this episode's all yours. Take us out. <laughs>